At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's going on, people? Welcome into another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I am Danny Burke, your host, and as always, broadcasting live here out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook in Des Plaines, Illinois. For the next hour, I will be with you here on VSIN and joining us in 15 minutes to tee up the show. Let you know that we got Will Hill coming on. He's going to talk a little bit of college hoops, some NBA. He's really going all over the place. And now that we know Kevin Durant is going to be back in the mix very soon for the Nets, we'll see what he thinks about that squad going forward. 30 minutes from now, well, speaking of college hoops, we'll go fully in-depth with tonight's slate with the college basketball guru himself, Greg Hoops Peterson, like I always say, if you don't know, well, now you do because he handicaps every single game. And no, we're not going to go through every game, but we're going to go through the top ones and as many of them as we can. That'll be in 30 minutes with Greg. End of the show, Danny's Dimes. We've got several tonight, a few player props throughout the NBA and one on the ice with hockey. So that will be toward the end of the show. For tonight's beginning of the show I did want to start with some NBA futures now last night we kind of ended with that we were talking about the updated NBA MVP odds and considering what John Morant and the Grizzlies had been doing as of late it drew my interest not only to look at the MVP odds but to see where these odds were stacking up in terms of the Western Conference futures so I wanted to spend a little bit of time at the beginning of this edition of Rush Hour talking about that so let's go ahead and list out some of these odds courtesy of Bet Rivers, seeing how these numbers are stacked up among each other out in the Western Conference. Now, at the top of the list, your short shots consist of Phoenix at plus 175, along with Golden State, also at plus 175. Now, both of these teams relatively, I mean, it's a short sample size right now, but they've lost their last two games. Golden State, honestly, was even in kind of a slump. I mean, they're four and six in their last 10 games when they were going into the All-Star break. Looking at Phoenix, they're 8-2 their last 10 games, and the only issue really for them is how are they going to end up without Chris Paul the remainder of this year. They have a great team, a lot of depth on that squad, but when it gets to those late-game scenarios against fierce competition, that's really when you need a guy like CP3. He's been so valuable in those moments, so maybe that can affect their seeding here. But, you know... Golden State also has been slacking, and there's a pretty marginal lead here. Six and a half games is what Phoenix is in front of Golden State, and then you get Memphis about seven games back in the three seed, and Utah ten and a half games back. But more so going back to the odds, so the Suns Warriors plus 175, the Jazz are 7-1, the Grizzlies are 10-1, then you get the Denver Nuggets at 14-1, and somehow the Lakers still at 20-1, and then the Mavericks, who just defeated the Lakers, also posted at 20 to 1. So before we get into this, uh, I just wanted to throw out some statistical observations surrounding these teams, or really the top teams more so. And looking at Phoenix, Utah, and Golden State, these are the top three teams in point differential 
throughout the NBA. Something to keep in mind. Going a little bit deeper with Phoenix, now they're second in points per possession and top of the list in effective field goal percentage as well. Defensively, they're third in defensive points per 100 possessions and fourth in defensive effective field goal percentage. So all around, Phoenix has shown that they are a very sound team and complete on both ends of the floor. And them going to the championship last season, dealing with that loss, they will have, again, we talked about this with the Rams, right? I mean, a team that's been to that stage, they've lost, they know what they need to correct, they'll go there knowing what to experience the next time. That's going to prove to be a big benefit, and especially if we're looking at Western Conference futures odds, right? But at plus 175, it just doesn't seem that attractive. And naturally, you could go for them to win the championship at 4-1 to one odds, but the East is pretty tough this year, guys. So I don't know, Phoenix, because there's not really that much value there, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get a little bit better value if they start slumping without Chris Paul. Perhaps it could get a little bit more attractive. But realistically, with the assumption he's going to be back and healthy for the postseason, I can't imagine it alters too much. So Phoenix, as good as they are, if we're looking for your best bang for your buck, I don't know if the Suns are at the top of the list. Now, Golden State's kind of the same thing. I mean, this team, yes, they have all the talent, but Draymond's been out. Clay Thompson's still trying to get in the mix of things. And Steph Curry's been in a slump, as odd as it is to say, based on that video surfacing of him doing the crazy pregame stuff, him winning MVP at the All-Star game. He actually has not been performing that well, relatively to his own stats. Uh, they're 13th in points per possession offensively, but defensively, Golden State's at the top of the list in defensive points per 100 possessions they too are four to one to host or to hoist, excuse me, the Larry O'Brien trophy, just like the Phoenix Suns. But again, plus 175, is that attractive with this Golden State team right now? Uh, right now? I wouldn't say so. Now, how about Memphis? What about this Memphis squad that's about 10 to one? They're the hot team as of late. Does this mean that you should make a bet on them? Well, Memphis is sixth in point differential this season. Offensively, they're fifth in points per possession. But they're 24th in offensive effective field goal percentage. Big discrepancy there that could maybe come back to haunt them in these seven-game series. Now, defensively, Memphis is okay. Nothing special. They're 11th in defensive points per possession, 15th in defensive effective field goal percentage. They're also 30-1 to to win the championship, if you were so curious to know, or would rather get the $20 better instead of the 10-1 to to win the West. You could do a little hedge if you have them 30-1 to to win the championship if you think they can get to the Western Conference Finals. Probably the more attractive option. Look, the thing about Memphis, it's one of those teams that, I just, aside from John Morant, I know they have some solid pieces, but if John Morant, if a team can figure him out or at least contain him well enough and they can kind of scheme to just limit him in some uh, capacity, I don't see where they're going to have consistent scoring elsewhere. Again, I know they have some solid young pieces, but they don't really have another top-tier guy next to John Morant. So as fun as this team has been, I really don't see them winning the Western Conference or that much worth a bet. I mean, in terms of the value, 10-1, to 1, sure, it may come down. But I just think this team at some point will come back to reality during the postseason, maybe just a year too premature, especially if you're going up against veterans consisting of the Warriors, Suns, and, hey, even the Jazz. And that takes us to our next team to talk about, the Utah Jazz. Now, they're 7-1 to come out of the West. This is a team that's been building to this moment to win and get to the championship for quite some time. This isn't anything new in Salt Lake City. 
They're first in offensive points per possession and first in offensive effective field goal percentage. Defensively, this is where it's kind of different than what you've been accustomed to with this Jazz team. They're 10th in defensive points per possession and 8th in defensive effective field goal percentage. So really, it's not that bad. But just because we always assume Utah has a stellar defense with Rudy Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year seems more often than not, you'd imagine the numbers would be a little bit better. I'm not too worried about that as at this point because, again, it's still fairly solid for their defensive numbers, maybe just not as good as it's been in years past. And this Utah team offensively, if they can stay healthy, they can really hang with anybody. And the Western Conference, to me, is not as deep as the East or as deep as the West typically is as it's been in years past. I mean, as fun as Luka Doncic is, don't really trust them to make a deep run. Again, aside from Luka, where's the scoring production coming from if anybody can limit Luka? He's got a lot of weight to put on his shoulders. Denver Nuggets at the sixth seed. Yeah, if you get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back for the playoffs, that's huge, especially with what Jokic has been doing. But are we ready to trust this Denver team? Not so sure about that. Minnesota, too young, not good enough. Clippers, too banged up. Lakers stink. The Pelicans at the tenth seed. You know, no confidence there. So I honestly think if you're looking for your best bang for your buck, considering that I think the Grizzlies are maybe a year too early, and if teams can somehow find a way to at least contain John Morant or limit him to a certain capacity, I'm not running to the counter to want to pull the trigger on Memphis. And the Warriors and the Suns at plus 175, I mean, that's way too short for both of these teams. I mean, rightfully so. I'm not saying they are the incorrect odds, but if you're looking to take a flyer on anything at this point, I just can't think that it's got to be or going to be the Suns and Warriors for me. I'd rather bet the series price or game to game at that point as opposed to just taking the short value, if any value at all, at plus 175 for Phoenix and Golden State. So with that being said, and again, this is more just how I would approach it right now, not saying I'm going and I'm doing it as an official play, but if anybody's been pondering what they should do out in the Western Conference looking at those futures odds, I would probably say the Jazz may have your best bang for your buck at 7-1 to one odds. And maybe the Nuggets, too, honestly. If you believe that Michael Porter Jr., because we can assume Jamal Murray is going to be very impactful and kind of step right back into the mix. But Michael Porter Jr. was a guy at the end of last year that was really coming into his own postseason, completely disappeared. I mean, you were getting no production out of him. Aaron Gordon, you need him to continuously provide some efficiency offensively. So it's a lot of, well, can you rely on that? Or what ifs with this Nuggets team? They're talented enough to absolutely get to the Western Conference Finals. So I don't hate that as probably your second option at 14-1. to But again, you have to rely on these role players helping out Jokic. If you think they can do that, then yes, I also would consider Denver at about 14-1. to But my top play probably, if I had to, again, would still be Utah at 7-1. And then maybe second tier would be the Nuggets at 14 to 1 because if the Nuggets start getting on a little bit of a run here they've won six in a row now that value might not be there much longer so something to consider when you're looking at these futures odds especially in the Western Conference but if you want to know more about the NBA well like we always say check out our guy Jonathan Von Tobel and his podcast the Hardwood Handicappers you can check it out where he gives you exclusive content for every single game throughout the night and it's a ton of great opportunities, as we know, to bet the NBA on that nightly basis during the regular season. It's a massively fun league with the greatest athletes on the planet. And guess what? 
we can make some money on it. So the Hardwood Handicappers podcast is for you if you are interested in betting some more hoops. And you can check it out at bsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts available. And while you're there, make sure you check up on every decent show as well. But once again, the Hardwood Handicappers, decent.com slash podcast. Coming up next, we are talking with hosts of the New York City Cast podcast. That is one Will Hill. He'll continue the conversation with hoops. We'll talk both NBA and college basketball. Stick around. It is rush hour here on Visa. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you have these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and of course, Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts available and to get hooked up several episodes a week. Great local sports betting content. And one of those hosts, to be more specific, of the New York City cast is joining us right now on Rush Hour, and that is Will Hill, who you can follow on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Will, always a pleasure to talk with you, my man. Excited to talk some college hoops and some NBA. We're getting into the thick of it specifically for college basketball and tonight a couple of games i know you're eyeing out for the slate and let's begin with a little bit later of a game 9 p.m central time we got DePaul and marquette now marquette's in very slight favorite here one and a half total at about 150 in the hook what stood out to you for this matchup that you thought was worth a play i like DePaul here uh they played earlier in the year one point game at the half marquette kind of pulled away but marquette has really been struggling on the road lost their last three on the road. And uh, that first meeting, that first matchup, DePaul didn't have uh, Anguenda, I think is how you pronounce it, the big guy, the uh, the junior center. And that's a whole different defense for DePaul when he's out there versus when he's not. Uh, it was really a parade to the rim for Marquette. They feasted pick and roll. They feasted in transition. I think at home, DePaul be able to dictate the pace more. Now, again, DePaul likes to run. We saw him the other day, 99-94 against St. John's, which to have that in regulation of a college game is almost, it's it's hard to do. So, uh, I do think DePaul here at home, uh, they got the big guy back. I think they'll play well. I think they'll win tonight. I like them plus the two. All right, well, then another game I know you like this evening. How about Auburn and Mississippi State? Now, we see the Tigers as a four-point road favorite. Total at about 142, seeming to have some attention to the under. The juice is there, minus 112. Money line has Auburn, minus buck 90, plus 155 on the buyback for the Bulldogs. Who do you think takes the cake for this one? I laid it with Auburn here. Uh, Mississippi State's not a bad team, but everything they do is inside. They're very interior-oriented. They live at the rim, and that's just not the way to attack Auburn. Auburn is very good defending in the paint, very good defending the rim. You can kind of attack Auburn on the perimeter, pick and roll, that kind of thing, but that's not Mississippi State's game. I just think it's a bad matchup for the Bulldogs. So uh, I did lay it here with Auburn. All right, well, let's transition over to the NBA. Uh, A big game tonight in Milwaukee. Now, this one... 
I was considering getting involved with, but I don't know. I, I just feel like when I've gotten involved trusting the Heat, it hasn't worked out. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, not because of what they did to my Bulls, but when I backed them whatever night it was a couple weeks ago. And they're catching four in the hook tonight against Milwaukee. This total at 224 and a half. Look, Miami's arguably, I mean, as the record shows, the best team in the Eastern Conference, but we always know just because you're number one in the Eastern the regular season doesn't mean there's a correlation for the postseason. But Miami is very deep. But Milwaukee at home, well, they're a different beast. So who you got for this one? I got Miami. I'm starting to lose a little faith in Milwaukee. You know, they've been kind of my favorite to win the East. Milwaukee has been, but man, they just haven't defended well, whether it's no Lopez or no Connaughton. That was a terrible loss they had Saturday night uh, off of the break. You know, it's one thing if you lose like, like on a Tuesday night, you know, on a back-to-back. They had a week plus off to get ready. They're home against a uh, shorthanded Nets team. They took the lead, gave it back, took it again, and still couldn't hang on. They just have not defended well uh, the last couple of months. If you look at their defensive numbers, it's really troubling. I think the flip side of that is, hey, you know what? They won a championship. There's a little bit of a hangover. You know, that season ended late July, mid-July. Then they had Holiday uh, go to the Olympics. They had Middleton go to the Olympics. So maybe they're just kind of playing possum a little bit. But uh, this Heat team is relentless. Uh, like you said, it's a really it's a fascinating Eastern Conference now with Harden and Embiid. Uh, the Nets get to ramp back tomorrow. This Heat team just keeps winning. They've only had their four best guys, Hero, Adebayo, Butler, and Lowry, for like 60, 70 minutes combined the whole year at the same time. Uh, this Heat team is competitive. They take no nights off. So uh, I think the four and a half here with the better defense is the way to go. I like Miami. Yeah, and it could be one of those things to where you mentioned the championship hangover, not that it pertains to a specific game, but it's kind of your mantra when you get into this back half of the season where maybe you're a little bit more tired, you realize you could step it up in the postseason, and a team like Miami, I mean, they're competing for that number one seed. They're they're giving it everything they got on a night-to-night basis to try to get to the level that Milwaukee was at last season, and if you're getting them four and a half points, it's hard to ignore that. Uh, Will, you also made a good point about Kevin Durant and his return coming very, very soon. I wanted to briefly ask you about what that impact is going to cause throughout the Eastern Conference. The odds really didn't go too crazy. Despite Harden moving away from Brooklyn, there's still a short shot with the Bucks to come out of the Eastern Conference plus 275 at Bet Rivers. Any value you see in Brooklyn right now, or are you kind of just staying away from the squad? No, that number doesn't do it for me. They're probably still going to have to come out of the plane. You mentioned they're going to get the ramp back, but uh, they're a good three plus games behind the playing spot. They are going to be a playing team uh, more than likely. And that's just that not that they can't, you know, beat whoever they're playing in the plane, whether it's Toronto, you'll get two chances to win one game. If you're the seven or the eight, uh, that's just tough though. That's a whole nother layer to go through. We mentioned Miami. So you get out of the plane, you might have Miami in the first round, which is tough for the nets, but it's also tough for Miami, which you know, kind of makes me hesitant to look at the heat. I know plus five to one or the one seed could be a heat net first round. It's not impossible. This East, which usually is the JV circuits very deep, but look, you get to ramp back. Uh, I mean, you can make the case. He's the best player in the world. Basically hits every shot known to man. He's seven feet tall, basically almost carried him to a title last year. So it's hard to count out the nets. I just don't see enough at, at plus two seventy five. These books, you know, they were just stubborn with the nets. They didn't move that number up, you know, d- despite the struggles, despite the injuries, hard and everything. They're just not giving you a price here that's, you know, at least attractive to me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, especially if they end up in the playing game. Who knows what the heck's going to happen by that time. And it's not to say that they're going to be as low a value as plus 275 and just giving you a good spot. But I'd rather wait and see, considering it's probably not going to be that much different, especially if they're in that playing game scenario. So I'm with it. It's really not attractive enough 
to make it worth the play as of this point. Uh, well, let's go back to focusing on tonight. This game, a bigger spread that you're looking forward to. Phoenix laying 11 points at home against the Trailblazers. We know Portland's kind of mailed it in since around the trade deadline, and you could probably argue before that. Total we're seeing at 224.5. What are you thinking for this late game? Just think it's a little high here. I took the I took the dog here with the Blazers. I think I got 11 and a half. Uh, no Booker for Phoenix. He's out with health and safety protocols, which, you know, we haven't seen that. That's kind of gone away for a minute. Then it pops up. You're like, oh, yeah, that's still kind of around. You know, once in a while it pops up and, and rears its ugly head. Obviously, no Paul. They've lost two out of three since the break. Their only win was against OKC when that game was tied with, you know, late in the third quarter. So uh, Portland's uh, no bargain either, but they've played OK. They played probably a little better than you know you might think. Uh, since the trade deadline, I know McCollum's played great for the Pelicans, but uh, Hart's given them something. They got Simons. That's a pretty good backcourt. They've actually, you know, they upset the Bucks right before the All-Star break. They upset Memphis in Memphis right before the All-Star break. They've been a little feisty, and I just don't think, you know, a shorthanded Phoenix team laying 11. I just think this is too much. So I took the points here with Portland. Yeah, it does seem a little bit steep for Phoenix, considering the guys are missing tonight. Uh, well, speaking of Phoenix, at the beginning of this show, I was talking about some Western Conference futures odds, and I'm looking at this list, and the two teams at the top are both Phoenix and Golden State at plus 175, which I'm not disagreeing with the price. I think it's appropriate. I just don't, of course, think it's worth the shot there. Then you get the Jazz at about 7-1, the Grizzlies at 10-1, Nuggets at 14-1. Look, I get Memphis is a lot of fun right now. I just think they're maybe a little bit too early, a year too premature for me to want to put a bet on them. I would probably circle out for the best bang for your buck, in my opinion, was Utah at 7-1 or the Nuggets at 14-1. Any thoughts in terms of the Western Conference futures odds for you? Yeah, I like where your head's at. I'm trying to fade these better teams. I think I said this during the NFL one. You know, it was coming down the stretch, and it's like, hey, the top six, eight teams are all kind of flawed. Might as well swing for the fences here. And, you know, that, that's where Cincinnati ended up cashing, or at least cashed the AFC future. The Rams, a little bit of a long shot. The Niners is a long shot, almost, you know, went to the Super Bowl. I kind of have that mentality here where the Suns without Paul, who knows? They don't even have a, a great player. I think Paul and Booker are very good players. Paul's hurt. Uh, the Warriors, who knows about Draymond? They haven't looked good the past, you know, three, four weeks. The Warriors have quietly looked pretty bad here recently. So I'm with you. I think there's probably a sleeper out there. Could the Mavs at 20 to one with Luca, you know, bust through? It's not impossible. The the Nuggets are getting uh, Murray and Porter back now to get them back right away and expect them to you know just compete right away and play off intensity coming off major injuries. That's asking a lot. But again, Jokic yep. is a great player. Could he carry them? It's not impossible. So you know, I would either look at the the Nuggets 14 to one, the Mavs 20 to one, and just try to fade these top two teams in the West because. They're not locks like the, the, the odds sort of suggest here. No doubt. And, hey, you make a good point. I mean, despite the Nuggets getting back some of their key players, you're right. I mean, throwing them back into the mix in the highest intensity yeah. type of games there are, that's a tall order to ask for them. So, yeah, that, that's a good point to consider when looking at those odds. But, Will, my man, we are up against it. I know you and I could go back and forth on these futures for quite some time. So we'll have to do it again soon. But thank you, as always, for making some time tonight. RDBVSIN.com slash podcast. Check it out. Appreciate you guys. You got it. Will Hill, folks, at not the Will Hill on Twitter. And he mentions those podcasts. He's the host of the New York City cast. He's got you hooked up. All things New York and great picks all around from our guy, Will. Speaking of great picks, how about all things college basketball with Greg Hoops Peterson next on Rush Hour? This is Rush Hour on 
VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, which includes advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against a spread, our team is here to get you ready for every single game and every single round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, which includes Greg Hoops-Peterson on every key team, conference, and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. So sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VEASAN through April 5th for only $19, and you can get that at VSIN.com slash madness. Well, speaking of Greg Hoops-Peterson, we are fortunate enough to have him join Rush Hour with us right now. You can follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. The college basketball guru himself right in the thick of it, getting ready for the most exciting time of the year. Greg, thank you as always for joining the show. We got a long slate to look forward to, so we might as well jump right into it. I want to begin with a little bit of SEC action this evening. 8 p.m. Central time tip-off. LSU catching five in the hook against the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Total we're seeing posted at 143. What did your numbers tell you for this matchup? I think this total is a little bit too high. You've got an LSU team that ranks in the top three in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And Arkansas, they rank in the top 20 themselves, as we've seen time and time again out there in the SEC Arkansas, Bud Walton Arena, an absolutely vibrant environment. And going into this week, the top four teams in the SEC, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, a combined one straight-up loss this year. That wound up coming when Arkansas fell to Vanderbilt in late December slash early January. So these teams have been solid. That said, even though I think Arkansas gets a straight-up win, I made my number five. So here at five and a half, I'm willing to take the points with LSU. I think that they're going to do a solid job down low. Darius Days has been able to do a good job with Terry Easton combining for about 29 points. These guys combined for about 15 boards per game. So I think that they're going to hold that bay in Arkansas. Not necessarily a great three-point shooting team. They shoot right around 31.5% from distance. Neither of these teams shoot above 33% from long range. LSU has been one of your better teams the under all season long. So I do think that they're going to keep this thing relatively low scoring, even though both of these teams do play at a little bit more of an up-tempo pace. Semi-total 137, so looking under along with LSU catching five in the hook. All right, so Greg rolling with the Tigers and hoping for a shorter scoring game. Let's see what you think about this next matchup. Miami-Florida taking on Boston College. The Canes laying four is a road favorite, Greg. Money line about minus 186. This total shorter than the one we just discussed. It's at 139 in the hook. Juice is on the over. However, what did we like for this game? I understand that the metrics aren't necessarily in on this Miami team, but the eye test is not in on this Boston College team. I actually give Earl Grant a lot of credit for what he's done with Boston College because this is not an ACC caliber roster. You've really been able to get most of your rebounding out of TJ Bickerstaff, who's given you right around seven and a half boards per game, and he's been banged up recently. That really hurts this team, so that means that you have to rely upon Quinn Post along with the guy from Lehigh in James Karnick to be able to give you rebounds. Not like Miami's necessarily been a juggernaut on a glass they have a negative rebound rate overall this year, but Justin Miller, 
Bale gave the same six plus rebounds at eight out of the last 10 games has been a good find from George Mason. And it's a Miami team that they generate a little bit over eight and a half steals per game while only turning the ball over nine and a half times for contest. Their ball control in the top 15 in all of college basketball. Boston College, not a team that necessarily generates a lot of swipes. And Boston College, a very slow team. They rank at the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game. So they're not a team that's looking to gut it. And with a Boston College team that's not looking to gut it, you need to be efficient. One guy on the roster that's really shooting above 33% from three-point range made Miami a five-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm looking to lay it here with Boston College. Their inability to score is a little bit of a worry here as well. So as a result, I did wind up making my total a 135-and-a-half as well. So we're looking at a little bit of a lower-scoring game here as well. All right, Greg, we move on to some ACC action. Clemson hosting Georgia Tech. The Tigers laying eight at home. Total at 138. Look, Clemson hasn't been that impressive this season. They have won their last two games. And as for Georgia Tech, well, they're on a three-game losing streak. They're 4-14 four and 14 throughout conference play. Despite all of that, do you think taking the eight points is worth the play? I'm taking the eight slash. We wound up actually seeing this eight, eight and a half a little bit earlier in the day as well. And I want to take that because with Georgia Tech, it's a team that they do have some good front end talent. Jordan Usher, along with what you're able to get out, Michael DeVoe, combined 33 points per contest. DeVoe has seen his three-point shooting percentage sink a little bit because it's become a situation in which a bad shot for E is better than a good shot for a lot of his other guys. But Ronnie Howard, seven plus rebounds before the last five games. And Clemson, they've been a little bit banged up. They've been able to some injuries to P.J. Hall, their top scorer. So even if he does wind up going, unlikely to be 100% in this game and it's a Clemson team that in general they've had to mix and match with few guys being out in the backcourt their three-point shooting started out the year very solid but you figured that there was going to be a little bit of regression there has been Georgia Tech also does a good job of being able to generate seals a little bit over eight per contest that's really the one hallmark of this team I think that you're going to get a little bit of a lower scoring game because Clemson a bottom one on our team with regards to tempo set this total at a 132 and a half I'm diving under with Clemson. Going to make them a six-and-a-half point favorite with Ariel Mann. So looking to take eight here with Georgia Tech. All right, Greg, this next matchup in the Big Ten I think is pretty fascinating because this Rutgers team always seems to play well toward the backstretch of a season, but they're on a three-game slide here. They had a really tough schedule with Wisconsin, Michigan, and Purdue those last three games. As for Indiana, a little bit more favorable schedule down the stretch, and they're the home team tonight. They're laying about four and a half, even as high as five in some spots. Do you trust the Hoosiers at home? Five is the max that I'd be willing to lay with Indiana, but I am willing to lay a five because I do think that with Indiana, they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low. Now, we've actually seen quite a bit of line movement on this game. I feel like a lot of people are starting to sour on the Hoosiers, and I can't necessarily say that I blame people if they're souring on the Hoosiers because it is a bunch that has been highly inconsistent out there with the backcourt. Got a guy in Xavier Johnson who has been able to do a solid job of being able to give the seams of scoring, but at the same time, his facilitation has been a little bit wonky. Is a guy that winds up turning the ball over a little bit too much, but at the same time, when it comes to this Rutgers team, they do have some question marks. When it comes to the outside shooting of this team, it is a game that, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, has been sort of moving around up to a five. I'm willing to lay with Indiana because with Race Thompson along Chase Jackson Davis, right around 16 rebounds per game, you're able to get two and a half blocks per contest. Out of Trace Jackson Davis, Rutgers is a team that can be a little bit sketchy at the free throw line as well. And we notice this time and time again with Rutgers. Though they were able to get a nice one against Wisconsin, they are just not the same team when they wind up leaving the rack as they are at home. Their defensive efficiency points a lot on a per-possession basis, more than 13 points higher 
per 100 possessions on the road than at home. So I'm going to lay up to five here with Indiana. They wind up setting my total at a 131 as well. This started out at 132.5. I want to take the initial number under here at 131. It's pretty much my max with regards to the under. Once you wind up getting to a 130, 130.5, that's when I'll start to take a look at an over. But I want to playing the overnight number under. All right, Greg, let's move on to Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Now, Iowa State's been the better team this season. They're on a four-game win streak, but the spread's only at four and a half. Oklahoma State is a team that could absolutely out-rebound you, and that could be the difference maker in this game. Could we see a potential upset here? Do you think the Cyclones take care of business on their home floor? I think it's going to be a relatively tight game. Four and a half is pretty much max. I'm going to be willing to lay here with Iowa State because my numbers wind up making this a four and a half itself. What I really think is intriguing is the total because that Oklahoma State team has played three straight overtime contests and both of these teams do rank in the top 35 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. But I do fear that playing all those overtime games is going to take it out of this Oklahoma State team a little bit. We got an Iowa State team that's playing their best offense right now, 69 plus points in four of their last five games. So they've looked relatively solid with that regard. I do think that this could be a game that winds up coming down to some late game fouling. Oklahoma State, they shoot below 70% at the free throw line as a collective. That's going to be a little bit of an issue with regards to Iowa State as well. Good team at being able to generate turnovers in terms of steals force on a per possession basis. They rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball. Three-point shooting has been a little bit suspect. Caleb Girl has been up and down, but Andre Kunich has been able to shoot over 40% from three-point. I do think that Iowa State has the best player on their floor. Isaiah Brockington, 17 points, eight boards. It will give you a little bit over seal per game. Shoots over 40% from three. I think that he's the difference maker. I'm willing to lay up to a four and a half year with Iowa State. Oklahoma State, very tenacious with their defense and a relatively up-tempo team. They rank in the top 75 with regards to possessions per game. So they are willing to play fast. But at the same time, it is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over and laying up to four and a half year with Iowa State. Greg, really quick, like 15 seconds. Notre Dame, Florida State. You like the Fighting Irish tonight? They're laying about two and a half or three. This is a spot in which I want to saying the number at one and a half. I'm going to be willing to take the points here with Florida State because with Florida State, they are a team that they still have lots of versatility. Notre Dame has not necessarily been the same three-point shooting team whenever they have been hitting the road. This is also a total I set at 135 and a half. I think it's going to be a little bit curious there on the total. So we're going to be looking at being able to take a couple points here in this one, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Greg, as always, appreciate all the insight and looking forward to you being even busier than ever now that we are getting into the thick of it in the month of March. But keep it up, my man, and thank you, as always, for making some time tonight. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. At unit underscore 81, where you can follow him on Twitter and a co-host, of course, host of the Greg Peterson Experience right here late nights on Beeson. But love catching up with hoops, talking some college basketball. And we'll continue to talk college basketball next. But in the NBA, a few player props and more dimes coming up next. Shower on VSN, the sports betting network. Bed River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit matchup to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. 
So go ahead and download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. And 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. Okay, folks, time for our final segment here on Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, at Danny Burke 5, or you can follow me on Twitter. And since it is our final segment, you know the drill. It's time to cue it up. Danny's Dimes for the evening, a.k.a. our best bets. We've got three player props in the NBA and one bet on the ice with some hockey. But let's go ahead and begin things on the hardwood and take a look at that Bucks and Heat matchup tonight, which should be a really fun one. But I'm looking at a certain player prop and probably a player you typically look to betting over, but I'm doing quite the opposite. Let's talk about the big man, Giannis Antetokounmpo, tonight and what he may or may not be able to do against this solid Miami Heat defense. First and foremost, let's look at his points prop. 28.5 is the number listed at Bet Rivers. Odds has it minus 113 each way. Now, Giannis, of course, is still having a great season up there in MVP consideration and probably will be every single year of his career. He's averaging over 29 points per game so far this season. So, again, you would think this would add up to betting it over. But he's only gone over this in 28 out of 51 games. I say only. It's actually a pretty good amount of time. But against the Heat, who he has personally faced twice. I believe this is the third time they're playing the Heat, though, but he's been involved in two out of the three prior games. He stayed under it both times. The first game against Miami, he went 4 of 11 from the floor. 6 of 10 from the charity stripe, only got 15 points. Bam Adebayo was in that game. Well, then the next game he went up against the Heat, Bam Adebayo was not playing, yet he still only ended up with 15 points, 4 of 13 from the floor, 7 of 12 from the charity stripe. So in both games against Miami thus far this season, Giannis has stayed way under this points prop of what we're seeing at 28.5. Now, Deadman's also a really solid defender. He's going to be playing. Bam is going to be playing. They're both really good. Now, if for all my people out there in Chicago, if you're watching that Bulls and Heat game, what they do very well is double-team and move around defensively. They limited Vooch immediately in that game. Anytime he got the ball down in the post, it came with the double-team and made the Bulls look like they forgot the basic fundamentals of basketball. I'm not saying the same exact case is going to occur with this Bucks team that obviously has a little bit better experience, but Giannis probably is going to be limited out there. They know defensively Miami how to weaken their opponents. That's the genius of Eric Spolstra. That's why this team has had success despite not having as many superstars as other teams. They have a lot of energy, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, and they move around very, very well on both ends of the floor. But they're going to know how to limit and contain Giannis to a certain extent. Now, we still could drop about 25, get a triple-double for all I know, but I just can't see this being a game where he gets about 30-plus. I was hoping to maybe get like a 29-and-a-half or even at that 30-and-a-hook, but I still think 28-and-a-half is a solid enough number to look toward the under with Giannis tonight. Again, he's gotten 15 in each of the first two games against the Heat. Tough assignment against Bam. I think it's going to continue to be tough from what we've seen in those first two matchups. So I'm going to take Giannis Antetokounmpo under 28.5 points tonight at minus 113. Now, how about another under that you could take for Giannis tonight? Let's look at his three-point field goals made. One and a half is the number. 
over plus 115, under about minus 150. Now, Giannis was getting some praise heading into the All-Star break because he was actually knocking down some of his shots from beyond the arc. But really, when you look at it, I mean, only 16% of his shot attempts are actually coming from three. And he's averaging about 1.2 threes per game on 3.8 attempts. He has stayed under one and a half three-point field goals made in 35 out of 51 games. Now, the, with the draw with Miami, well, we know how good they are defensively, but where they really do well is actually defending the three. They're allowing opponents just to connect on about 34.5% of their three-point attempts, which is 10th best in the NBA. So I mentioned how he was doing pretty well in February, by the way. He went over this mark in five out of the seven games in February leading into the All-Star break. But the last two games since they've been back, he's gone one of eight from beyond the arc. And in the first two matchups against the Heat, the first game went 1 of 3 from deep. Second game went 0 of 2. Again, it doesn't guarantee that an under is coming this way, but we know Giannis isn't a good shooter from deep. Only 16% of his shots are coming from there. And I feel like because of how we did heading into the All-Star break, he's getting more respect in this prop, where typically I feel like it'd be priced like minus 175 or minus $2 to the under. So I know it's pretty steep, but relatively for Giannis, I don't think it's too bad. And I think he's going to be more focused on just trying to work it inside and he'll get frustrated and limited. And this Miami team, again, plays really stellar defense all throughout. So I'm banking on not only Giannis to stay under 28.5 points, but under 1.5 three-point field goals made tonight. So those are the two bets I got involving Giannis. Let me tell you about another prop I got in the NBA this evening. We'll take you to the Indiana Pacers tonight, taking on the Orlando Magic. Orlando, one of the worst defensive teams in the National Basketball Association, and that's why I think we can make a profit off of it. And we can do that with one Malcolm Brogdon and his points prop at 16.5 tonight. Over, under, minus 113 each way at Bet Rivers. Now, Brogdon hasn't really played in that many games, 30 to be exact. But he's averaging 18.5 points per game in those 30 games uh, sample size, and he's gone over 16.5 points in 17 out of 30 games. Now, he's only played two games since the end of January, and they've also been the Pacers' last two games, naturally, and... In those games, he got 15 versus Oklahoma City and 20 versus Boston. Boston's a very solid defensive squad. Now, I mentioned how Orlando slacks defensively. To be exact, they're 21st in defensive effective field goal percentage and 24th in defensive points per 100 possessions, allowing opponents 113.5. Now, looking at his shots, where he shoots a lot of them from, 37% come at the rim, 34% come from beyond the arc. Now, as bad as Orlando is defensively, where they actually do fairly well is at the rim. They rank ninth in defending the rim, opponents making 64% of their shots. Beyond the arc is where they slack. They rank 27th in defending threes. They're allowing opponents to make 37% of them. So, of course, you could make the argument, hey, why not just take his over three-point field goals made prop of one and a half but you're laying north of minus a buck 30. I don't hate the idea. I'm just not as willing to lay that much in this spot with Brogdon. Since the team, since post-deadline, right? I mean, you've lost a lot of key players. He's got to step up and be the top guy, arguably. And because a lot of his shots come at the rim, I feel like with even more focus on it, he's not going to be able to hang out around the perimeter as much. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad play to go with the threes over. I just have a little bit more confidence and like the price better at minus 113 compared to like minus 140 to go over 16 and a half as opposed to the over one and a half threes. 
And what he's really been doing consistently well this season is taking advantage of his lackluster opponents, meaning teams with bottom-tier effective field goal percentages defensively, which the Orlando Magic, as we know, have. Other teams he's gone up against that have similar rankings. Charlotte, who ranks 26, he went over. Toronto, who ranks 23rd, went over. Detroit, Minnesota, Atlanta, all bottom-tier, and all of those teams he has gone over this player prop with. So I think he does it again against the Magic. Back in the mix, I think they're going to be ready to compete in this game overall, considering they just played him and lost. Brogdon had some nice rest. I think he'll get over this prop mark, and I bet him over 16.5 points. Okay, final game we're getting into, folks, and we're going to head out hockey tonight. Got one play. The number kind of got away from us here, but I still want to talk about it. Let's take it out to the West Coast in Seattle, the crack and hosting the Predators. Line open minus 170. Originally, it was coming down in favor of Seattle. Why? Well, maybe just not that much faith in Nashville here, and because the price was pretty steep. Uh, these teams have played twice this season. They've split one and one each. Predators are 15-9-4 on the road. Not terrible. Seattle, 9-17-3 at home. Long story short, uh, short here, folks. Soros being the goalie for Nashville is leaps and bounds better than Chris Drieger, who's the backup for Seattle. He's 4-8-0. 3.30 goals against average, and at home, he's 0-4-0 with 4.5 for his goals against average in a save percentage of sub-86%. Nashville's gone up to minus $2. Maybe consider a win in regulation bet if you don't want to lay that high of a price. I laid minus $1.75 with the Predators. I believe they get the job done, so if you don't like laying that much of a price, again, I would probably suggest the win in regulation. But overall, folks, in summation, the four plays we're rocking with this evening, Giannis under 28.5 points. Giannis under 1.5 three-point field goals made. Malcolm Brogdon over 16.5 points. And then, like we just discussed, Nashville, the Predators on the money line, minus 175 at Seattle against the Kraken. Best of luck if you tail. Thank you, folks, for joining us for another edition of Rush Hour. Until tomorrow, take care.